Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. We're going to officially welcome you guys and gals out to a live Q&A with yours truly, where it's my goal to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use and to help you make sense of your life. If you're new to my channel, my name is Joshua. As you also know, it's Coach Josh. And like I said before, my goal is to help aid your walk with God and help you grow um, significantly for his optimal use and for impacting the world. And um, and if so there's something you feel that may be a blessing to you as you uh, navigate this life, feel free to subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff. I would love to serve you as you navigate life. And for those who's always been watching, whether it's been 12 years ago, six years ago, three days ago, or just 20 minutes ago that you subscribe, I want to welcome you all. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. And I think I'm, uh, it's an honor to serve you all. And I'm glad the resources and materials that I offer through book, through video, through audio, whatever, is a blessing to you. So I want to say thank you. But let's get right to the chat box. And before I go there, I want to let you know that all timestamps to every question answered this evening is in the comment section below. So if you want to kind of navigate through this long video, you can by just simply hitting the timestamps below. Chat box, what's going on? Jennifer Gilman, what's going on? Ebony S has made it first. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Vanessa, all the way from Arizona. Sweet Pete, good evening. Jennifer Gilman, how do... Oh, Jennifer said, listen, coach, I know you want to greet the people, but I, I got, I'm touching the hem of your YouTube live right now. I need, I, I need an answer. All right. Jennifer says, how do I stop falling into the same cycles, coach? I'm tired of it. Well, cycles begins from a conceptual uh, moment, a conception, uh, 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 um, from a, a, a desperate need and a distraction. Um, cycles just doesn't come out of nowhere. They are, they are birthed. They are mixed. They are mingled with, with a significant moment that played a significant, uh, 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 um, it had a significant impact on you that produced a certain amount of emotions that stamped that moment as something that, that was designed for hopefully, for hopefully for you to carry life long. Now, how does one break a cycle? First, you got to be very clear on what caused the cycle, right? So see, you got to be very clear on what caused the cycle. You got to be very clear about what conceived this cycle, whether it was a, a, a disappointment or abuse, uh, uh, um, um, a lack of nurturing, a lack of guidance. Um, there is a significant moment where this cycle was conceived. Number two, how you spell cycle? Let me look at you. See why? Why? You have to yield your life to the one that can break the cycle. Most people have yet to surrender their life to God in, in the state of allowing the Holy Spirit to refurbish and to heal them. Cycles can be broken, but you have, but the first thing to break the first thing in order for these cycles to break, you have to yield your life. First, you have to be very clear on what conceived it, uh, why you got to uh, uh, yield your life to the second seat to Christ, his lordship. Who is Christ? He is the anointed one, the appointed one, the one that is able to, to really break it. It is through the, the salvation work of the Holy Spirit that enables you um, to renew the way you think. It is very important to renew the way you think about life. You have to adopt the Christ mind. That's the third, the, the second, the third letter. You got to adopt the Christ mind. In every situation through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to think, perceive as if Christ would be, as if Christ would, uh, uh, would be able to perceive at that very moment. And when you understand that that's very pivotal for breaking a cycle, you will go into God's word and allow the word of God to clean your mind, to wash your mind, to shape in your mind, to think a certain type of way. 
so that you're able uh, um, to think like Christ. Now, how would Christ think in a situation? Number one, um, uh, you are above that cycle because where Christ city is seated in heavenly places and we are a joint heir with Christ and everything that 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 pertains to life and godliness we have. And so when you begin to change the way you think by constructively going through the word of God, you will begin to see the power of the spirit of God and the understanding of Jesus' imputed righteousness on you that right now you are righteous because of what God has done and because what Christ has done. And now you able to have access to everything that 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 pertains to what God desires for us to have and when you understand that you will uh, uh, aggressively endeavor to renew your mind and how does one adopt the Christ mind you adopt the Christ mind by by first going through the word of God but secondly writing down specifically the thoughts that are bombarding you in regards to this cycle I want you to write down every single thing you're thinking or that's contributing to this cycle and I want you to go to the word of God and get combative scriptures that will go against that and meditate on the scripture so that you will be utilized so that you will be able to utilize that as weaponry to break that cycle Look at fine, be very clear on what conceived it, yield your life to God, adopt the Christ mind, C-Y-C-L. L, you have to let the Holy Spirit lead. And number two, L, you got to let it go. Cycles are there because you have yet to let go of something. You have to let go. Let go means you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive the person that played a part in that cycle. You have to let go of those addictive habits. And the best way to let go of something is to learn or educate yourself on why those things are bad. It's very important for you to educate yourself and learn and dive deep into why those things are no longer meant to be bound. And the reason why many of us hold on to things that are no good for us because we do not want to let it go. We don't want to forgive. Our validation is in what happened. But you have to let let it go. And E, the last way to break the cycle of anything is to engage God daily and to enter his joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You cannot you cannot break this without the joy of God. The Bible says in James, count it all joy. <clears throat> no matter what happened in your past, no matter what's happened right now, you got to count it all joy, knowing that the joy of the Lord will strengthen you. But the joy is only found in the presence of God. So you have to be intentional and engage in that presence of God. But you have to realize if you do not go down to the concepts, what conceived it, you're not going to be able to receive what God really wants to have for you because you're going to be continuously in that cycle. Now, uh, spiritual warfare wise, you got to establish uh, who you are mentally in Christ. And then going forward, you got to out of your mouth with strong faith, believing that you have authority over every demonic spirit, every demonic appetite, every type of uh, poor habit and break it. But none of this is possible without discipline. You break cycles by being disciplined, disciplined from desire, disciplined from uh, desired outcomes. I always preach this. What are your desired outcomes for life? If you know what your desired outcomes from, from life, you have disciplined outputs to break them. See, be very clear on what conceived it. Why? Yield your life to God and surrender it. Second C, adopt the Christ mind and go through the word of God constructively. L, let the Holy Spirit lead you to freedom and let go of everything that's contributing to that cycle. And E, engage the spirit of God where the, the fullness of God's joy is, which will be able to strengthen you. Those five things practically should be able to help you to break any type of cycle. But 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 uh, <clears throat> like without discipline, without desired outcomes, you're not going to do what you need to do daily to break them. Hope they help. I went long on that because a lot of people struggle with that. Um, 
The few of many. Hope you're doing good, Coach. Be safe. You too. Y'all be safe as well. Tammy Arnold, what's going on? And back to the cycles thing, um, um, you just got to see it for what it really is. When you find a conception and you repent from that conception and you repent from that, you will begin to see the flowing, healing uh, uh, resource of the Holy Spirit coming into your life, helping you to go forward. Uh Oh, scroll too far. <clears throat> All right. Shiro says, hey, coach, watching from Sweden. Thank you so much for watching. How do you recover from deep three? How do you recover from a three day dry fast? Um, Slowly. You can't just go from a, a dry fast, which is probably vegetables or so and jump off any kind of fast and just jump into a previous diet. Fasts are designed to strip you of, of a dependency uh, uh, and, and to revert you back or to realign your being into the submission of the Holy Spirit and with a clarity of mind, clarity of soul, clarity of body, clearing, cleaning, cleaningness in body and helping you to go further with great ver uh, uh, um, vigor, excitement, joy of the Holy Ghost, right? How do you break a fast? You got to be wise. So what I would tell you to do is a study fast. Study what the what the body goes through. Go to Google and and study uh how to um safely and properly overcome a fast. And what I know from just my experience, you got to start off with bland, uh, easily easily digestible foods and build yourself over time. So I start with bone broth. Do some soup. Um, do some um, uh, uh, vegetables that don't cause or vegetables or grains that don't cause digestive uh, uh, rumblings or interruptions uh, and inflammation. Uh, but don't go to meat. Maybe take three days after your fast to go to meat. But when you go to meat, go to sardines, go to salmon, uh, go to uh, fishes like that. Don't go to any type of tilapia, uh, uh, shrimp or lobster, stuff like that. Um, but study up on it and then and then you'll begin to see the proper ways to overcome a fast. Um, but that's what I do. I start off with uh, strong liquids like blown broth, which is a superfood, and then I go into soups, then I go into bland uh, foods like crackers and sardines, and then after your body gets adjusted to crackers and sardines, then you're back to where you got to go. Hope that. <clears throat> Mars Dads, what's going on? My two cents. Hello, coach. Hello, all. What do you feel like we should be saying to people when we minister in a time such as this? Uh, minister through your life. Uh, God is going to show the world how he preserves his people. Uh, it's no longer time for us to do lip service. It's time to serve through our lives. Uh, and that's what I do. I don't, I don't, unless the Holy Spirit grips you and, and you are supernaturally um, skilled and, and mobilized to do that type of evangelism. Now I have nothing against, against that type of evangelism, but I think that's the dominant setting of evangelism for everyone, but not everyone's called to that because of the lack of empathy, the lack of uh, yielding to the spirit's leadership. And so my advice to evangelism right now for people who are going through is to be the light. When darkness comes, people look for light. And if your life is light, not your words, because people know if your words and your life match, um, you, 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 you yourself have to be a light. And when darkness comes, dark seasons come, everything else goes to black, but you shine as a light, a light that, that, that cannot be hidden. And so that while, when your life by default is a light, this is what you do when people are drawn to that light. You reveal to them the hope that's in you. You reveal to them how God has preserved you and sustained you because nobody cares about what you're selling if what you're selling hasn't, hasn't uh, uh, helped you. If you can't, you can't talk about a Christ that they can't see in your life. You can't talk about how the word preserves and you're rottening. You see what I'm saying? You have to have evidence of the light uh, uh, um, uh, liberating you. <clears throat> and when people can see vividly that you are being preserved and being kept during a season of turmoil where millions and millions of other people are, are not uh, being are not successful in. 
then what you offer the hope that's in you, they will be, their hearts will be, will not be hardened because one thing the devil cannot defeat is, is a person that's desperate about being helped by the divine. That's why he wants people self-sustained. He wants people to self-sustain themselves so they won't have no natural inclination or desire for a savior. But when everything goes to black in, in every demonic uh, cycle, hold, luxury, uh, distraction cannot sustain them. And now they have to depend solely on, on something supernatural. They're going to go to people who they can spot has the true light. And they're going to be like, yo, how are you being preserved through such turmoil? How are you being preserved through so much uh, tough times? And then you will reveal that the only way, because they know you don't got no money. They know you at home too. They know you quarantine. But all of a sudden you see all these ravens coming to your house, dropping off sandwiches. Okay. And when they see that, they're going to be like, oh, I want sandwich too. How do you get the ravens to do that? How do you get the ground to yield this increase for you? How do you get this to happen? And then you'll be able to share and they'll, their hearts will be more open to receive the gospel. And, um, and that's when you share the gospel. You have to be the light before you share the light, because if you share the light, but you're not an electrician, and you ain't gonna be like nobody else's life up. Hope they help. <clears throat> great question. All of them, great question. Hello from Columbus, Ohio. Thank you for watching. Hey, coach from Detroit. What's up, Pink October? Questions. Hey, what's going on? Chanel Audi Aud says, Hi, coach. I know it's not wise to get married to an unbeliever, but is it a sin? Yeah. Anything that, that God says you shouldn't do is a sin. And, and I say that uh, uh, um, sincerely. Uh, but yeah, because how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Um, the Bible says, do not be, um, what's the, what's the scripture? Um, unequally yoked with non-believers. The Bible says, come from among them and be separate, says the Lord. What does light have to do with darkness, etc., etc.? Because usually the weaker one is the dominant one. Usually when the strong person gets with a weaker person, their desire, their, their hope, their love for them is perverted or manipulated into benefiting the demon in them, benefiting the carnality in them. And then the, the stronger ox neck is broke. So when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, you have to understand when a stronger ox is yoked to a weaker ox, the stronger ox leads the weight. They lead the journey. And so the yoke is breaking the strong ox's neck because not only are they carrying their weight, they're carrying the weight of the weaker person and they're carrying the carriage. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens is the woman of God, the man of God, <clears throat> or the, the believer is carrying the weight of the unbeliever. Not only are they carrying their weight, they're carrying the weight of the unbeliever and they're carrying the baby. They're carrying the, the hope. They're carrying the joy. They're carrying the, the spiritual warfare. They're carrying all of that too. And it breaks them over time. So it looks good now to be married to somebody because everybody celebrates love like that. But over time, you feel burdened and broken. And now you got to be in the prayer closet, doing utilizing unnecessary energy to pray that hopefully God would bring salvation. And now you got to deal with the spirits they bring into the house. Now you got to deal with the lifestyle choices and the alcohol and the smoking and dealing with all the different lifestyle and um, things that they want to do. And you can't keep a peaceful house if the door is open to somebody that's not of peace. You see what I'm saying? And so it's a sin because of the the residual uh, um, the residual issues that spawn um and 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 most importantly the effect it has on children and now you got double-minded children now you got confused children now the man don't want to go to church but you want to go to church the man or the woman doesn't want to do this but you want to do follow god it's just unnecessary burdens and 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 it's hard to have god operating in a union where one person is not submitted to him and and then you're desiring all these different things now you're doing you doing unnecessary spiritual and physical work exhibiting too much energy and now you broke it in the process. 
Not only are you carrying your burdens, you're carrying the burdens of an unbeliever that's not casting their cares and burdens on the God. And you're in your way down. So to do a degree that you're unable to carry, cast your cares to God. And, and now you're carrying the cares of children and carrying the cares of money, carrying the cares of, of balance. <clears throat> it's unnecessary. So do not marry somebody that is not on the same page. This goes even to Christians. <clears throat> you could be unequally yoked to a believer. Do not be unequally yoked with the believer. You got to make sure y'all believe the same thing. How can one believe in faith and other person believe in, in, um, in fear or operates in fear while you operate in faith? You want to walk in prosperity. This person got a poverty mindset. You see what I'm saying? They're, they're both got the hope of God. They both say, oh, my wife in the building. You want to, you want, you want people to see you? You want the people to see you? Ain't God good? Hi. Ain't God good? <laughs> All right, and she done got back from singing at the church. Right? 10, 10, 10 or less, right? You, you good? Don't bring nothing in. Yeah, this house is this house is uh, um, uh, cured. This house has got no coronavirus in here. No corona in the, in, the, in the refrigerator either. There's two things in, in this house. See? That's why you got to be equally yoked. There's no corona in the fridge, and there's no corona in our lungs. Ain't God good? But it's not good to be unequally yoked, man. It's just not good. It just it just breaks it breaks the whole structure down and you become too overly burdened. Hope to help. All right. Hey, brothers and sisters from Maryland. Thank you for watching. Jennifer Ebony Essence was talking to an old classmate met in a parking line. He got so offended at the fact that I say he was a man of faith. We go to the same church. Apparently, he doesn't sit in the sanctuary. Um, should I cut him off? Yeah. Go ahead and cut cut dude off. You know, anytime someone gets offended. And, and you also got to think about this. Some things that we say can cross the boundaries or cross the level of maturity of another person. And, and that's why, you know, I'm very careful on how I give my pearls. When it comes to pearls, I, I, I give in based upon the, uh, the quickening of the Holy Spirit, the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit. That's when I give my pearls because some people can't bear the pearls. See, you got a big pearl, but they got a weak system. And so when you tell them about themselves and try to give them hope and try to give them encouragement, you don't know what their struggles are. So what I will do is I will. I, uh, well, if it's the opposite sex, I will go ahead and cut them off especially there's some interest there because obviously there's some healing that he has to go through. And I don't want you to be uh, uh, set up to be a type of savior for him, trying to encourage him in the man of God. Listen, men should not, men should be praised by their wives, not raised by the, by the wives. Men should be praised by the women in their lives, not raised by the women in their lives, especially when you've already been raised. And so what I mean by that is if that person doesn't know who they are, you're going to try to utilize too much energy, try to raise that man to a level of understanding. Only Christ can raise the dead. Only the spirit of God can raise the dead or the dead mindsets in people. You can't. So what you got to do is if that ain't your man, then he shouldn't get no words from you because you don't want to praise him or raise him. Praise or raise a man that ain't that ain't that that ain't for you. That ain't been a praise for you. You see what I'm saying? And so. <clears throat> What I would do, I would just cut it off, cut the relationship off, create boundaries, um, be cordial, be nice in proximity, but keep your cut your pearls, keep your pearls to yourself and move on and focus on your personal growth in God. And if he got so offended that he said I, I, that he was uh, not a man of faith, man, let, let that man grow in God and don't watch his mature, his maturation. Some people be on the uh, on outside watching somebody mature. Don't do that uh, because you're distracted from maturing yourself. Hope that. Shiro says, there is a guy in my church that every time I see him, my spirit gets happy. And I don't know why, 
How can I remove this? He is so kind and nice to my son, but I don't want to be fooled by Satan. Listen, you can't trust your emotions, my friend. Um, 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 I, I always give this analogy. I remember one time young in my faith, young in my walk with God, I used to, I grew up in like a Pentecostal environment uh, where everything was about feelings and all that stuff. And so um, when I felt the Holy Ghost, air quotes, when I felt the Holy Ghost, I felt goosebumps. Don't get me wrong. There are moments when then when the climate uh, 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 reveals <clears throat> or or triggers that type of sensory, right? So I'm not sitting there saying that doesn't happen, but I thought that was the end all be all of the Holy Ghost. And then when I was in a buffet line, when my mama said after one Sunday, after one Sunday service that we had enough money to go to the buffet, go to Golden Corral, I felt the same goosebumps. I was like, I know this ain't God because I wanted, you know, a, a all you can eat buffet. And I was like, you know what? I have to grow in maturity and realizing that not every sensory, not every emotion, not every quickening is, is, is the same. The Holy Spirit is, is, is not reserved in the layer of your feeling. So my advice to you is, is that you're possibly feeling this way because of his interactions for what you love, what you love the most. Um, you love God. So he's in church. Number two, you love your son. You love your children. So he's in, and the children is engaged. You got to be very careful that you do not allow your emotions um, to be compared to the sensory, uh, uh, to be compared into the triggering of the Holy Spirit and to making you believe this is of God. What I would do is I would process your emotions by saying, okay, what are the facts? Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm not at a spiritual level to even understand or to even um, uh, fully grasp the concept of, the, of the God speaking to me. That's the first thing. Most people go from zero to 60 too quick, zero to 100 too quick, thinking they're super spiritual. You only been saved for two years. You only been saved for three months and you think you heard the voice of God. I think God reserves certain attributes and certain revelations about himself until maturity because he, if he reveals an area of himself, you may take it too far and then and, and then and then find yourself jacked up and into something I've, I've lived it so i know now there's a difference between uh even in mind form i think the holy ghost speaking to me but I all of all i've grown into a level of maturity where i know his voice i know his true leading and not the mixed signals of my emotions and what i think and so uh what you have to process now is my emotions Am I, am I, is it God or is it just me seeing what he's doing amongst my life and my children that's making me feel happy? And how do you get rid of those emotions is, is establishing boundaries for yourself. Some of us, we're, it's not because, um, 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 people just walk into our lives. We leave the fence open for people and, and, but you have to close the fence and to realize, okay, Holy spirit, I'm about to go to church right now. I'm about to see Tyrone. Tyrone's at church and I know little Newt Newt be asking about Tyrone. Holy Spirit, help my heart to be focused on you and still and 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 focused on you. And the Holy Spirit will supernaturally sustain you. The Holy Spirit will keep you if you desire to be kept. But you have to process your emotions and separate it into realizing where you are spiritually, where you are in your walk with God, and the real and, and realizing are you even ready for someone like that? Is your child ready for a new man in his life? All that kind of stuff will help you really find the facts and realize, you know, this is just a good man that's just saying hello to my children. It could be a devil trying to get in. There's a guy in my church. Every time I see him, my spirit gets happy. Could just be your emotions. There's a your you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. Your soul is where your emotions is. Right, your soul is where your thoughts and your emotions swim. Your spirit is where the Holy Spirit 
enables, electrifies, utilizes. Your spirit is who you really are. You, your, above your spirit is your soulless realm. So some sometimes we think what we feel emotionally is actually spiritual when all actually is just nothing but our emotions. Gets happy and happiness is <clears throat> different than joy. Happiness is based on conditions. Joy is based on no conditions. If this person makes you more happy than God, then it's then it's, then it's happiness. The joy of the Lord is your strength. No person can give you joy. They can give you a, a byproduct of joy, which is happiness. So you have to understand, am I happy because I'm particularly seeing certain conditions form that makes me happy because happiness is based upon conditions. I would like to be married. I like to have a man. I like someone to be a great father to my children. So if this person is this individual, the idea of this person makes me happy because of the conditions I perceive. Joy is, it doesn't matter who comes and go in my life. I'm settled in my spirit because the Lord the man Christ Jesus, the triune uh, deity, is 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 the one that makes me ultimately joyful. That's that one's giving you teaching, so you can kind of break it down. Uh, and I don't know why, because um, of the conditions. It could just be the conditions and the, what and and the time frame that you didn't have those conditions in your life that could be making you feel excited about these potentially new conditions. How can I remove this? He is so kind. And nice to my son, but I don't want to be fooled by Satan. Um, <clears throat> um, don't be ignorant of Satan devices. Don't don't put stamp devil on that person, but just really allow the Holy Spirit to reveal. The Holy Spirit can let you know yay or nay, and he'll let you know tonight. Hope to help. Stephen Ramsey says, hey, coach, could we try again to set up the meeting between? Yes, please, man. Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, let's try for this weekend. Just hit me up, man. Hit me, email me again. I got you, fam. I've been thinking about y'all. Betree says, hey, coach, how do we stop being a perfectionist but still maintain a spirit of excellence? Oh, good question. Perfectionism is, is impossible. Excellence is possible. Um, perfectionism puts uh, false expectations on you and it usually leads you to burning out or to over overburdening yourself uh, with something that you're unable to achieve. You achieve excellence from the perfect work of Christ. Excellence is a way of thinking. Excellence is a way of life. Excellence is a way of perceiving. Excellence, what I mean by that is um, the Holy Spirit will show you how to be excellent in every environment. Excellence doesn't mean perfection because you can you can achieve the greatest level of excellence, but God will throw a monkey wrench in there because I used to always think that when I did my events, everything has to be perfect. But I forget that perfects, perf perfectionism and excellence are two totally different things. Excellence is we're going at the level of, of, of great service, working unto the Lord, maximizing our resource the best of our ability, and letting the Holy Spirit do what he does best. That's excellence. Perfectionism, perfectionism is focusing too much on the details that you're not accomplishing the overall goal. Or your way of thinking is, is hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit in the way he wants to do. Because if you want everything to be what you want it to be and how you think it to be, you will not make room for the Holy Spirit to move and make everything work at a level of, of his perfection in the midst of imperfection. Only God can do that. You have to understand that you can't be perfect because of so much imperfectness in life. You're imperfect. The people that's working with you is imperfect. The the, the elements, the, the environment's imperfect. Um, um, you're always going to have something imperfect happen. So you can never achieve perfection and imperfection in your own might. Only way you can achieve perfection and imperfection is when the Holy Spirit is able to operate. And that's when you are able not to be disappointed 
disappointed if things change. The Bible says many are the plans in a man or woman's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevail. You can make as many plans as you want and God will throw a monkey wrench to let you know who's the main man in this building. You see what I'm saying? He'll throw a monkey wrench to reveal to you that what you thinking was good. It was, it, it, it might've came out amazing, but uh, who's the, who's the leader in this thing? And when you let the Holy Spirit lead, you will begin to see how he navigates through imperfection. And then about time at the end of the night or at the end of the project, in, uh, at the end of whatever you're doing, you'll realize just how perfect everything came to be. That's what I do. And so my advice to you is, is to realize that you're not perfect, that it's impossible to create perfection out of imperfection without the perfect work of, of the Holy Spirit in operation. And you have to release the pressure off of you, knowing that you are in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I won't only say partnership. You are in, you are the CFO, manager, or, or steward over him as the CEO and governor. And if you allow him to govern and you and you, and while he governs, you are guided, then you can't help but get a bunch of uh return in anything you do. And I realized, man, how the greatest return you get is when people see a perfect outcome in the midst of imperfection. So perfection and excellence are two totally different things. Excellence is, is a way of life. Perfectionism is the perversion of what, of living in excellence. What I mean by living in excellence is I endeavor to do good unto all people. I endeavor to work unto the Lord in every area of my life. I endeavor to, if I see it and I'm led by the spirit to do it, I will do it. I'm a person that doesn't cut corners. That's what made the children of Israel so peculiar. That's what made Daniel so peculiar. Uh, uh, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego peculiar. That's what made Joseph peculiar because they operated a level of excellence in both energized, electrified by the Holy Spirit, that in everything they touched, it prospered. Everything they did prospered because their lives were submitted to the excellent one. You see what I'm saying? And so perfectionism is, is the world's way. Excellence is God's way. And 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 what I whatever I said previously is how you kind of navigate the difference. Now, um, but how to maintain a spirit of excellence is to realize the excellent one in you and allowing his excellency to, 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 to utilize you to make things uh, 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 just where everyone takes a step back and say, you know what? You just didn't do this alone. God was with you. And that's, there's no greater feeling than knowing that God is with you. It's hard to do anything in excellence when you don't have the endorsement of God in your life. Excellence keeps you away from sin. Excellent, doing things in excellence, full excellence. We're talking about spiritual, emotional, mental, physical excellence. You, you can't sin. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't win with sin within. You see what I'm saying? You, you, you're very selective in the friends you have. You're very selective in what you watch and what you listen to because you know you got to keep your spirit, soul, mind clean so that you will be able to be uh, undistracted by any type of, uh, of tarnishment that this world may try to do. So know that you can't do anything perfect without him. Don't put that pressure on you and go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And then when you navigate wrenches in the in the in the flow, know that God probably threw it in there to let you know, hey, hey, back up right here, because your plan right now is not going to work because many other plans in a man's heart. Trust me, I've been guilty and it gets on my nerves when God gets in the way. But previously, now I don't care. God can get in the way anytime. But back in the day, I'm like, man, God, why the spirit? I remember one time I did events, the screen didn't work. And the screen worked 20 seconds before the event started. I'm like, God probably had that, that, that thing to work to reveal to you, Josh. You focus on the wrong things, Josh. You focus on the screen. You care so much about the screen, you losing energy over a screen not working, you losing energy because a speaker not working. And then it doesn't matter what event I ever done in my life. It 
always came together. God always broke me and was like, Josh, I'm going to make this thing not work for you to humble yourself and realize this is about me, Josh. It ain't about the aesthetics. It's not about the smoke. It's not about the lights. It's not about the sound. It's about the sound and the rushing wind of my spirit working through the flesh of people bringing salvation. And when you have that mindset, you can let those uh, extra things go. Nick Antoine says, how do I get my fervency and passion back and feel satisfied and joyful in God? Also, should I read Song of Solomon? I'm about to turn 16. I don't know what to do with this since I'm not married. I wouldn't even touch it. Um, to this day, I don't think I, oh, Song of Solomon is not one. It, 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 some, of the, some of the things Song of Solomon has in it when you marry, you just naturally do. So don't worry about that. But your first part of your question, how do I get my fervency and passion back? Great question. Um, passion comes from particulars. <clears throat> um, and when you understand that, that's why the Bible says we were the joy that was set before him that helped him endure the cross, despise his shame. That's very powerful that if you reverse it, you will be able to see how you can navigate the turbulence of life. The more you get to know the, 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 I want even the, the, the majesty of Jesus and who he is, the whole Godhead and, and what they do. And, and how and how they how he engages in our lives. I mean, the you will begin to have a fervency greater. See, nothing on earth should determine your passion level. Nothing made by man or made by man or created by God should determine your passion level. It has to be something eternal. What drives me is nothing earthly. Is always things of eternal. I'm driven by eternity. Um, I'm driven by 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 by. The, the gentleness and the grace of God that allows me to partner with him. How can someone imperfect like myself partner with someone so perfect and to see perf uh, excellency manifested in the lives of others? And when I see the Holy Spirit work through me in these videos and resources, man, it just puts me in a level of greater passion of, of I do not want to die full of books and full of ideas. I want to release everything solely for the glory of God simply because of his goodness towards me. It's only because of his goodness that led me to a place of repentance and helping me to realize who I am in here in him and by his righteousness imputed on my life. I now in right standing with God that I'm able as a son adopted to the family of God to have complete access to him. That anytime I lack wisdom, he'll give it to me. And that anytime I need him, he's a present help in a time of trouble that I have the, his comforting spirit in me to enable me to accomplish my purpose. So you have to have something above earth that pulls you into a level of excellency, that pulls you into a level of fervency, because anything on this earth and planet can be removed, can be touched, can be rotted, can be uh, whatever, and it can warp the way you do your things every day. But when you have something above anything that could be touched, motivating you, then you cannot be tarnished. You cannot be halted. You will always be full thrive, full throttle towards your purpose because you receive your hope and your joy from God. I know that sounds very cliche, but that's what I live, my, fam my, my friend. And so how do you get your fervency back? First off, you got to move anything that is that is toxic and that is draining you of your energy. You got to you got to strip right now during this Corona thing. All, all this stuff this is a great opportunity for everyone to make the main thing, the main thing who is God to take away your to take away your cable, to take away your Netflix, take away all those different things and get into the word bare. Bear and, and 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 ready to receive. It begins with the fundamentals. So what I'm saying about that is, is when you recognize 
that you have access to the father. That's great. That's cool. And that's beneficial. But if anyone knows anyone that endeavors to do great things and to achieve great things, they understand discipline. Discipline that comes from um, 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 the divine, the inspiration from the divine. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> you will never feel satisfied by anything in this world. You only feel satisfied by the spirit that's in you. That's why he says, man, in bodily form, Jesus was like, I can't do much for you. I can teach you and I can guide you. But if I allow my spirit to download into your soul, into your life, then you will constantly have a well in you that keeps you going. And so the best way to get your fervency back is to tap into, into the spirit of God and allow that to be your battery, your source, the battery that doesn't go out, that the, the, greater than the energizer battery, that, that, that source of energy that keeps you going. That's the best advice I can give you. So on Solomon, don't even worry about that. In 16, um, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Enjoy God at the level that you are. I do not want you to grow. Like I got to be at Coach Josh level. I'm 34. Uh, you you 16. They don't they don't don't make, don't don't get it twisted. That doesn't mean you can't grow it at, at a quick <clears throat> leap and bounds. But take your time. Utilize wisdom. Grow with God at the level that you are, and and do not think that you got to do works to get it. It's a supernatural supply. There, there's nothing that you can do to gain extra anointing. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. To, to make your anointing potent, there has to be a, a, a way of life. But that's nothing you can do. Everything you do here on out is sparked by, conceived by the Spirit of God that then enables you to live a right life. It is the righteousness of God that leads you to righteous living. It's the forgiveness of God that leads you into forgiveness. It's the it's the, it's the the hope of God that leads you into fully strengthened. There's the joy of God that strengthens you. So don't get me wrong that you just can't just rely on the anointing that was upon you or thriving in you two years ago. No, there's, there's a certain level of consistency and faithfulness that, that you need to have in response to God's faithfulness to you that enables you to live a life that, that keeps you focus that keeps you effective that keeps you efficient that keeps you growing hope that helps man you good my brother you 16 i'm proud of you man i, I was just like you at 16 you know what i'm saying i had a lot of questions and um, but but i'm proud that you're that you're asking these questions 16 because you truly desire to be in the will of god and i commend you for that percy bean what's up family says how do you build a relationship with god so that he is enough during our time of singleness great question in every season god is enough Enough means to full capacity and more <clears throat> because the heart's desire is never fulfilled. But when God's enough, he's so vast that no matter what level you grow into or what stage of life you grow into, he's enough. He's all in compensate. He fills up every corridor, every inch, every crumb in a corner of any corner of any house is fully in his presence. You see what I'm saying? He's all encompassing. It is the mindset that hinders us from uh, reaping the benefits of his enoughness. All right. So if your mind is halt between two opinions and you're serving, trying to serve God and money, or you think money and God, see God, period. It's not God, comma. It's God, period. It's not God and. It's God, period. He is enough. He is your sole source. Everything else are resources. So when you look at your singleness, you will be able to realize that, 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 okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace who you are and I'm going to realize your purpose for me now. See, see God. Yes. God encompasses your past, your present and your future. But so many people want God's 
enoughness in their future manifested now, but they don't have the right level of maturity to recognize his wisdom and why they are where they are. See, see, if you tap in mentally into the presence of God, and what I mean by that is allowing your mind to be set at the Christ default setting. See, mindset is mind settings. And, and settings is a certain level of settings that enables the function of a thing. So you got to look at the settings of your mind and say, is my mind set on God? Is my mind set on my purpose? Is my mind set on personal development? Is my mind set on him? Because if my mind set on him, then everything else becomes manifested and revealed to me in what I must do in this season. Now, how does a single person recognize the enoughness of God? Number one, you have to understand that, that, that he is in everything and that he is, that he has a purpose for every moment. And when you know that every moment counts, then you will embrace every moment. See, every moment you use to think about a moment that's not here is a moment wasted. You have to be present. The greatest ability a believer can have, the greatest ability a single person can have is availability. Availability is, is recognizing that you are, are, are called for such a time as this and trusting God for such a time that hasn't came. The reason why singles do not engage God in the season of singleness is because they do not feel that they don't feel the will. They don't feel the will. They don't know the will. The will of God for your singleness sets you up for everything else beyond it. The person you become in a single of singleness will determine the person that is able to manage marriage, to manage ministry, to manage money, to manage anything manageable beyond this season of isolation. So how does one build a relationship with God? And recognize his enoughness, realizing that 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 he has a purpose for you right now. See, where my book said, I always do this as an example. This is what I produced in my singleness. One, two, three, four, five, six books. Six books is what I produced in my singleness, right? Two card games in my singleness. 1,400 videos in my singleness. My singleness was full because I realized the fullness of God in my life and the fullness of God leads you to fulfilling, leads you to fulfilling and in fulfilling you lead to fulfillment. See, see, you got to be full to feel. And when you're too full for a, for a pot that you're trying to fill in the future, you will find yourself falling into ditches. People are falling into the holes they were meant to fill. You're not supposed to fall into the hole. You're supposed to pour into the hole. But many of us are carrying all of this greatness inside of us, carrying all this purpose inside of us and falling into the holes that we were supposed to fill. You got to realize there's a hole, there's a place, there's a purpose for this season right now for you to fill. Now, all these six, seven books, six books, two card games, videos are help. The fruit of my singleness is helping so many people. And that's what keeps you building a relationship with God, realizing that he has a real job for you to do right now. That, that, that will set you up. Everything I did in my single life setting me up. If I would have never wrote this book, Unplugged, I would have never started the unplug uh, movement. If I never started the unplug movement, I wouldn't have found out spirit, my gift in understanding spiritual warfare. I wouldn't have wrote the second book. The second book led to the purpose singles, which is my number one seller. Then it led to me other soul ties, led to me dating stuff, it led to me all these different things that now I'm an expert at something. Yo, the experiencing God in your singleness makes you an expert in life. 
Because if you experience God and encounter God and engage God in your singleness, you will then be polished and established as an expert in a field that will produce residual income, residual impact, establish you, preserving you. How many people are going to fall in the end times because they had they didn't maximize their single time that they would have positioned them financially to be able to have the food they need, the shelter they need to be successful? You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is. When you recognize how real life is, you'll recognize how you got to develop a real relationship with God to be successful. And knowing that singleness has a purpose, that singleness will set you up. I am proud of the young J.E. I'm proud of the young Coach Josh navigating all. I know the feelings you're going through. They're getting married. But do you know how many people I went to college with got married young? And, and the same ideas they told me at 23, there's no sight of it at 33, 34, 35. There are so many of my friends got married and I envied them and was jealous of them. But then I got had conversations with them where they said they wish they never got married, not to the person, but at the timing that they didn't mind being married to the person, but they realized they married out of time and they married out of pressure. They married out of, out of everybody else doing what they doing, realizing that I had all the time in the world to produce my books now. Now people looking at my life like, man, I wish I did what he did. That getting married older is not a bad thing. I want to get married at God's timing. And God's timing for you could be 23, could be 25, could be 28. But 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 you got to make sure that you know God's timing. Because I, I promise you, you do not want to be the person that envies what God didn't endorse. So many people are envying what God never endorsed. They're envying a relationship and it looks good on Instagram. And all of a sudden they real they wish they had that, realizing that God's looking at you like, I ain't even do that. And now people are wasting time envying something, envying married people while single and not maximize their singleness. And then they settle in a relationship and then they, they have resentment, realizing they married someone prematurely and never got their life done or their single assignments done. So God got a real work for you singles right now that he's trying to set you up in the future. Everything God did and does is for your setup. He wants to set you up. You his child. A father leaves an inheritance for his children. Children, God established that principle in the earth realm. Why would God want to set up our lineage? See, see, God not only want to set up our children. I'm, my right, my, the reason why I do these books and do all the different stuff and create these ideas is to leave an inheritance before my children have their children. So they can be able to continue the work of God in their life and the work of God in a ministry. Not my ministry, but their ministry without worrying about money. If we can do that, if we can give good gifts to our children as imperfect people, what does a perfect God want to give to his children? So he's trying to set you up. So he says, man, real recognize real. Let's get in a real relationship so you can see the real deals that I'm dealing for you that will set you up when you marry. And you will be looking back saying, God, I'm glad I did it your way. And that's me. I am so glad I did it God's way. I am happy. I, I maximize my singleness. Everybody else can be upset. Everybody else did it. Never. Because when you go with the when you go with the trends, you will find yourself full of resentment. But when you stay steady, even in the midst of pressure, you will find yourself pruned into a diamond, able to shine for a lifetime. Hope to help. You're so welcome, Jennifer. Crocs Thunder says, hey, coach, how can I submit to God? It's been at least a year where I felt stuck in life. Do not know what to do. I'm struggling. Like I said, for the other friend above you, um, you got to find a conception. Where did you leave God? Where did you take that first step away from God? Anytime you see a, a, a distraction or a dependency and you start going for it, it shows that you 
uh, didn't trust God. So everything boils down to you trusting God. And how can you trust someone you don't know? Some of us, we we have been fed uh, false attributes of God. We've been fed all these different things that God is not. And it makes us think that God is shaky, untrustworthy, or we start thinking that God is like man. And, and, and we start thinking that he is, that he will disappoint us. The only time God will disappoint you is when your expectations are false about him. Oh, that's the only way you, that's you disappointing yourself. God can't disappoint nobody because he's a God of destiny. We disappoint ourselves by uh, putting, heaping false expectations on him and get mad when he don't come through the way we formed him in the false imagery in our mind. That's why God said, do not create a graven image of him. Do not think of him differently than who he is because you'll find yourself in sin. And so if it's been a year, go all the way back to that first day of that year and ask yourself, where did I take a step away from God? What did I make my full dependency? And then because you're stuck in a cycle of that, of that first conceptual conceptual decision. And so now you got to change your choices. Your first decision that you need to make, the first choice you need to make is repent. Repent for your sin. Go to God before him and say, God, I need your help. And most people do not go into God for repentance. They think God is mad at them. They think God hates them. They, they think they got to do a bunch of um, works to get God's attention. You don't got to do all that. All you got to do is repent because you're a son and daughter of God and he's going to, he's already received you. He's going to refurbish you, refill you and, and, and reestablish you into being in the right will that he has for you. So do not allow condemnation to keep you away from repenting and going to God. Repentance is a resource. Repentance is a benefit. It's the opportunity for you to have your mind renewed. And to think in a way that you need to think so that you won't fall back into these current situations. So right now, it's a it's a it's a mind issue. Your your mindset or your mental settings, your mind settings are off. Some the enemy came in and started moving knobs and started moving buttons, and now your mind setting is off, and you're not able to focus and actually able to move in the will of God. So what you got to do is repent, go to the word of God in the area that you fell in and renew your mind in that area and, and walk in the joy of God. And then you'll find yourself unstuck. The joy, this is this, 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 what I tell people, this is the day that the Lord has made. I rejoice and be glad in every day is a decision and to walk into God's fullness of joy. And that's what you got to do practically to overcome being stuck. Hope to help. Last question. I got to go. I've been going 50 minutes. Jennifer, you're so welcome. No problem. Question research. Great message. God gets the glory. Uh, Diva Day says, hey, coach, I'm in a courtship with this guy from church. I feel like he his he he values his family's opinion about his courtship, which he is which which has put a wedge in between us. How should I move forward? Because I like him uh, <clears throat> Um, before you like him. You got to make sure you like him, that you like God, that you are like him. The more you grow in your light and likeness in God, the more you'll begin to see what is for you. Um, the Bible talks about that a man's supposed to leave and cleave. That's the greatest sign that proves um, that that um, how can a hard time leaving? And don't get me wrong, he's not obligated to cleave to you because you're not married, but he should be showing evidence of leaving, transitioning, leaving the the confines and the potential manipulative techniques of his family. And so what I would say is. I would have an honest conversation with me and say, you know what? I do not feel comfortable. And, and it's okay for women not to feel comfortable in a courtship phase. Anytime a woman is uncomfortable in, in a courtship phase, she has the right to communicate her concerns, period. 
She has the right to communicate her concerns. Any man that does not welcome the communication of a woman's concerns about how this courtship is being led, then that person is not able to lead. Now, there's a way that you communicate your concerns. You communicate your concerns to God first so that God can put your emotions at a stable place, at a peaceful place so that you're able to release your concerns cooled off. It's never wise to just be like, I'm mad, I'm upset, I don't like how things are going. And you take that heat from your heart to your man and get mad about how the man responds. The man has a right to respond or not in a bad way, but he has a right to respond like, I don't feel like talking about this right now because of how hot it is. Every woman in marriage and courtship has to practice a, a, a venting to God first, communicating to God first. And it, it is evident in a lot of marriages. A lot of women do not know how to communicate peacefully to their man because they haven't practiced in their single life how to vent towards God. So what they do, they vent to their girlfriends or they just hold it and suppress it. You have to learn how to allow that stuff off your chest to God so that God can reveal to you the right way to communicate your concerns of how the courtship is going, how the marriage is going, how things are going. Now, back to my previous point. If you have communicated from a place of peace your concerns to that man, that man and you at a place of peace and you've done everything the Lord has told you, the Lord is trying to reveal to you that, that man is not ready. If he starts feeling defensive, but you at a place of peace, and your stance is a stance of peace, but he's defensive, then you got to let that man go. That that's, that's showing you that either he's not it for you or he's not it right now. Because what I mean by that is there was things that I exhibited early on in the courtship phase with my wife that I wasn't ready to be married to her at that time. That didn't mean I was the wrong one. I just wasn't the, I wasn't built ready to take off the lot. You see what I'm saying? Or to take our relationship off the lot, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not the one. It just means that you got to stay committed to God where his decision, his action doesn't move you. And that you always have to be okay with the one you think is the one leaving. You have to always be okay with that. If you're not okay with losing someone, then you must you must not fully be aware of the one that has a, that has a hold on you. I'm not afraid to let anything go because of the one that's holding me. I don't mind letting go anything that's going to keep me from, that's going to cause me to keep swarming in God's hand to be let go. And so you have to be okay with him not being the one. If you're not okay with that, then you don't know enough of the one that, 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 that loves you unconditionally. And so you have the right to communicate your concerns. Now, how do you do that? You go to God, you write your concerns down first, write down your concerns, which you already shared with me. Then you go to God's word, go to God and God's word. What does the word of God say about this? And God needs your guidance and I, about this. James talked about that. And if any man, any woman lacks wisdom, you can ask of God and he'll give to you freely without reproach, meaning that he's not going to have no record of wrong. I'm not going to give you wisdom because of what you did yesterday. God don't like that. But what I'm saying is if he is having a hard time leaving his mom now, leaving his dad now, now if he's getting counsel and wisdom, but if he's like, you know what, I'm going to do this because my mom and Demons love using parents to stifle marriages. That's why the Bible says, man, leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife. I'm in a courtship with this guy from church. I feel like he values his family's opinions about his courtship, which is if listen, if it's putting a wedge between y'all two. Listen, you you and your wedges walk away. You and your wedges say, listen, I, as, as far as me and these wedges. I'm not going to allow some external force to cause a wedge in between us. Now, first, you got to ask him. God is going to probably lead you to ask him, what are his concerns? 
God, I'm looking on both sides because I'm a man too. God's going to probably have you or you should think about uh, uh, what is it that is causing a wedge? Is it, is it, could it be me trying to go against counsel or could it be me just feeling certain type of way about this in general that I'm not even listening to good counsel or is it just like intentional force manipulation? If there's manipulation, then you got to change your direction. And so that's my advice to him. I know you like him, but you got to love God more because when you love God more, you can let go of whatever you like. It's that simple. So you got to do some self-assessment, my friend. Look at your heart and ask yourself, do I like this man more than I love God? Am I, am I, have we had any type of intercourse or entertain, uh, entanglement that may have caused me to be so tied to this individual? If so, I have, I need some time and it's okay to take your time. And if he gets mad and trying to control it, then is that demon is, 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 is generational manipulation. If his parents are manipulative, he's manipulative. And, and, and if it's causing a wedge, you and your wedges go the other way and continue your life. Because if he's not practicing leaving, he ain't going to know how to cleave. Hope to help. Love you. Y'all be blessed. Uh, resources for you guys that I have on my website, imunplugged.com. I'll put that link now in there. Um, is six books, two card games, three courses. We'll be today's Wednesday, so tomorrow we'll be in our uh, Purpose of Singleness course. Uh, we'll be, well, this book right here, The Purpose of Freedom, is how to untie soul ties and uproot strongholds, a book on soul ties and strongholds. I got my first book unplugged, of course, Nostalgia Purpose, the first book I ever wrote. Um, I love this book, man. This book was my first step towards obeying God which will always be, I won't say a monument, but will always be a significant moment in my life of keeping me going forward and producing more. Dating Prep is a book for you to date yourself and love your life forever. Questions are in the book and all the questions spawn from my card game, Dating Prep. Um, this card game right here is a way for you to uh, date yourself, ask yourself questions, three levels, cloud, cement, corporation, cloud phase is simple. You guys just met. This may be for Diva Day. This might be a great, great resource for y'all too. Uh, dating prep and for both y'all to get the book if y'all don't want the card game right away you got the questions in the book and i got questions for the family tree i got family tree questions that will help you uh keep i gotta pay 70 of my book our family tree so you got to plant a new tree you can't you can't be caught up in how the other tree was established might be a great resource for all those who are unsure about the relationship and want more clarity there's some real solid questions in this book and the card game that goes with it uh for examples Let's see. A good cloud question is, how big is your family? That's a good cloud question because I grew up in a small family. My wife grew up in a big family. So no understanding how a person grew up will let you know uh, what y'all can potentially grow in your relationship. A cement question is, what would you like to see on our family tree? That's a great question. What would you like to see? So you can kind of hear their traditions. You kind of hear their way of thinking and and find a way to compromise to develop, pull from good traditions and create your new tradition. A good corporation question is, as a family, what systems will we implement and follow to ensure we continue to build our love? That's a great question right there. Also got my spiritual warfare book, World War Me, How to Win the War Within. A great book on spiritual warfare with a ton of scriptures in the back for you to meditate on God's word so that you can understand your weaponry and your bullets. And my purpose is sing on this book. Um, probably the best-selling book, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? We'll be talking about pride, ego, and emo tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My children's book is in the studio. 
my other my other room there because I, I got to do some videos for the kids uh, since they're all uh, not in school now. But I also got this last card game <clears throat> called Memory Muscle. Uh, where's the front card? Uh, yeah. Card game called Memory Muscle. It's a fun way to memorize scripture, whether alone or with a group of friends. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. T-shirts on my website. T-shirts are probably up under the video. If you want T-shirts, um, um, booking, of course, after the, you could book me probably in the fall, depending on how this uh, virus goes. If you want to support our mentoring program, uh, we'll probably get back up in April since school is out for right now. Um, you can support that. You can also support what I do on this channel. By giving all that good stuff, but I love you. I gotta go. Peace, y'all. Be blessed, y'all. Be safe, and y'all be sensitive. Leadership and Holy Spirit. He will lead and guide you to all truth, and He will preserve His saints, and He will keep you if you desire to be kept. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Time stamps below. Peace.